0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings And listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city To encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible
1: Good morning church, just before Pastor Stephen gets up and shares this morning's message As part of our collection of talks, Fresh Humanity I'm going to be continuing our reading through Ephesians Uh, And this morning I'm going to be reading from the NLT, it's Ephesians 5 verses 3 to 20, and Paul writes, and he says this, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake O sleeper, rise up from the dead and christ will give you light so be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise make the most of every opportunity in these evil days don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the lord wants you to do don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life instead be filled with the holy spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. Uh, thank you, Tim. Um, that's a great, <laughs> a tremendous portion of scripture to start with on a Sunday morning. It's a bit meaty. But before we get there, I want you to do this. I know that there are a number of you guys in the middle of lockdown started some things. Now, and I've heard a few rumors about couch to 5K. Well, what I want you to do is add an extra K. No, couch to 1K, couch to 2K, 3K, 4K, 5K, 6K. It's a whole lot of kilometers. And I want you to imagine this. Six kilometers of hospital beds. Now, we could call them beds, but really, they were just bodies. Bodies lying side by side. Soldiers who had been wounded in war. Soldiers who were just clinging for their lives. Now on top of all this, well the responsibility lay on the shoulders of one woman. Now she was a remarkable woman. She was known and became known for many different things. She was known as a reformer, a researcher, a teacher. She would be a publisher, an author. She was the first female member of the Royal Statistics Society. Who knew that was a thing? She was the pioneer of the hygiene movement and she became a celebrity. And her celebrity status allowed her to raise money to open up the first nurses teaching college in the United Kingdom, in its capital, London. Wow, think of all those achievements. But to us, and to history, she is simply the woman of the lamp. You see, Florence Nightingale, with all of those accolades and all of her achievements, She was the woman who brought light, who brought hope and light in the middle of the darkness and in the middle of the decay. She would have walked and she would have put her hand on the soldier's hand. She would have taken time. She would have sat with. She would have walked six kilometers of bed of brokenness and she just brought some light. She was a movement of light. And this is how we're going to finish off our series of talks in Ephesians, Fresh Humanity. We, you and I, you know, as you're slurping on your cornflakes, we are a movement of light. Wow. It's incredible to know we are a movement of light because here is the truth. Not a form of truth, not a truth, well, I think it's true, but truth itself, your new identity in Christ. Ephesians 5, 8 to 9, Tim has already read it so well for us, but you were once in darkness. No, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you were once in darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. So therefore live as children of light. And the fruit of light consists of, well, goodness, Righteousness or justice and truth. So this morning, welcome to the light movement. You know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 verse 16, he said, by their fruit, you will know them. In other words, the people who follow me and claim to follow me, well, you'll know them by the evidence. And the fruit here is goodness, righteousness or justice and truth this is not simply a calling to be bright this is not simply calling to turn up the light this is a calling to actually reflect the very reality and nature of the true and living God into the world wow this is what it all comes down to you see 2020 has been a dark year we're going into 2021 and people are like well what's it going to look like well, it depends how the church shows up, because you and I are called to be people of light in the darkness. Well if 2020 has been dark, it's the perfect environment for us as fresh humanity, to stand up and shine, to burn bright, to burn light. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses five to seven. And this is how the message well, paraphrases. Remember our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ. That's good. It's good to know the pressure doesn't land on me. Jesus Christ, who is the master. All we are, well, we're messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. There's something about this moment where you realize that Jesus Christ reveals to us the Father, God. And in that moment, in that truth, we become enlightened and therefore we become light. In knowing truth, if you only look at us Well, you may miss the brightness because we carry this precious message around in, well, unadorned clay pots or ordinary lives. And well, that's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Ordinary lives, that's me, but extraordinary brightness As we read through this, we can't help to see, but the power of the fruit is in the seed. That something has been planted in you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus said, he's the light of the world. And it turns out that he now walks this world in us through the power of his spirit. He has entrusted you and me to be bright. But will we reveal? Or will we conceal? Will we blend? Because he is that light, that life source. And all around us in your world, perhaps even you're listening in today, will people need to see Jesus? And Jesus has said he will show up in us. People in our city, people beyond our city, People in your world today who are crying out, would someone please answer the question, what is going on? In the darkness we burn bright, we burn as light. So the seed will determines the fruit. Now you plant apple seeds, you get apples, you plant strawberries, you, plant, you, you grow strawberries. From what I'm told, because I've never really done any of these things, but there's something about when you plant a seed in the dark, it can't help itself but break out towards the light. And it turns out that the light that Jesus Christ has put in us, that if we burn, it can't help but draw people out of darkness into this light. It just can't help. it; It's irresistible. It's just Jesus in all of his beauty. Psalm 119 verse 5 says, The Lord is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In John 1:14, it turns out that this word was made flesh and lived among us in the body of Jesus Christ. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. He is in us. And there is a seed that draws people out of darkness. Where is hope in 2020? Well, as I thought about this, I was so challenged because where is hope in 2020? Where is the church in 2020? Where, where am I as a fresh humanity, as part of this expression of Christ on earth? Where, where am I? See, the seed produces the power. And well, we're told in Ephesians 1.14 that the Holy Spirit is the deposit. He is the guarantee. He is the seed. And therefore, in this new humanity, the seed of the Holy Spirit would naturally produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we read about this in Galatians five twenty two to 23. No, things like kindness, peacefulness, faithfulness, gentleness, integrity, joy, love. Now, when I listen to all of this, and listen to myself. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm thinking to myself, who, who me? (laughs) Like, God, I I know you're smarter than I am, but I know me. I I, I know what I'm like on a Monday morning. I I know what I'm like after a few nights where you haven't had a great night's sleep. And, you know, I I know what goes on inside my brain sometimes. God, perhaps you'd want to call somebody else to be like But it turns out that Paul knows how we think. And I think it's impossible to truly reveal the light of Christ until we walk in his love. And and Paul starts out this chapter and he says, follow God's example, therefore, as daily loved children. (laughs) Isn't it amazing that God knows what I'm like on a Monday. God knows what I'm going to be like next Monday. God knows what I'm like when things aren't always going well. God, God knows my heart, my mind. He knows everything about me. But he's already decided to love me. He's already decided to love me and allow his grace to sort out all of those things. I get called to light knowing I'm loved. The pressure is off. It's not about me, I'm just this clay pot. And it turns out he is the light. But we've got to know and walk in love before we can ever truly walk in light. Genesis 1 and 1-4 reveals to us that, well, turns out walking in light, or light itself has always been a really important thing. We read these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I can imagine you're quoting this back to me at home because this is one of these familiar ones. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, well, you're finishing at home. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we read here that God saw the light was good and he separated it from darkness. He spoke light, he spoke light to the formless, he spoke light to the well, the empty, and he spoke light to the darkness. No, to be honest, it it makes me feel a little bit like well, me. I was once in darkness. That sounds like Christian-speak, but what I mean by this is that there was definitely things in this world that I didn't know really existed. I, I didn't know God loved me. I didn't know that Jesus died on a cross for me. I didn't know any of that stuff, and it turns out that he did, and I am no longer, well, dark to those things. What about empty? Well, when I look at my life before Jesus, I had definitely areas of my life felt full. Oh, there were good things, good friends, popular, the usual sort of things. But there was definitely a space that no matter what I tried to stick in there, cram in, it just never really mm, came together. And then Jesus brought light. What about form? Well, my life definitely had some sort of form, but it just was a little bit off and he brought light. And well, perhaps you need that light. Well, Jesus is just all about saying, okay, into the middle of the chaos, I speak light. Just invite him to come. But this city needs our light. <laughs> People like Stephen, at 18, 19 years of age, whoa, oh, they need light. People in our unis and in our schools and in your workplace, they need your light. They need this extraordinary brightness that comes from ordinary lives. And well, Paul brings it to this challenge. In verses 11 to 12, we read this have nothing to do with darkness but rather expose it now i know there's some people love this sort of language you know Oh, expose the evil. And some of these are getting on like Twitter, your Instagram. No, every, people are kicking off now. I'll go on. Those people who don't do what God says they should do, I'm going to tell them all about it. I'm just going to kick off. In fact, I love kicking off. And now Pastor Steve has written this. It's like giving me permission to kick off and tell everybody how wrong they are. No, that's just religion. That's more to do with you than it is to do with God. Because straight away we go into verse 12 and it's like God says you've got to expose the darkness. And then Paul writes, well, but it is actually shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Okay, so we've got to expose it, but we're not allowed to actually speak about it. Well, that sounds complicated that sounds like my dinner table growing up when my brother and i were like torturing each other and we're screaming and mom she's like will you shut up will you stop it will you and then eventually it would just get to that high pitched and it would be stephen paul stop it now shut your mouths and eat your dinner and you would kind of look at her and go well shut my mouth and eat it. Just shut your mouth, keep your mouth shut and eat your dinner. And you know, even at that age, I realized you can't close your mouth and still eat your dinner. And it's like Paul saying, you've got to expose the darkness, but not actually talk about it. And I know the truth matters. But as a church in history, the church, perhaps all of our exposing of darkness hasn't brought all the light that it was intended to? See, truth matters, and that's the discussion. Well, what is truth? Well, instead of asking what is truth, why don't we reframe that question and ask, who is truth? Because it turns out that truth is not a concept. It's not some belief system or structure. It's it's not the latest thing. It's A person. And in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am truth. Who knew? The truth all along was not what we believe, it's Him, a person. In John 1 17, it says, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's found in Jesus Himself. And we get caught up in cultural shifts, postmodernism, modernism, post Christianity, and we can, And of course, it's important to understand some of these things. But the reality is, the truth itself never changes. In Malachi verse three or chapter three verse six, we're told that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and this is echoed in Hebrews thirteen verse eight, where we're told of Jesus Christ, who is God Himself, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth is a person. I love how Mark Sayers puts it like this, Christianity isn't true because it works. No, that's a concept of truth. It works because it's true. It's based on truth and his name is Jesus Christ. So how do we reveal the darkness? Well, this is the verse. Everything in verse 13 of chapter 5, but everything exposed by the light, becomes visible. Turns out, we reveal the darkness by revealing light. The brighter we allow God to burn through us, the more darkness becomes visible. We're a movement of light. You see, to the addict and to the hopeless and to the isolated, to the misinformed, to that person today who's crying out, going, God, where are you? It turns out to turn up and tell them how bad and dark they are is not the answer. But to turn up and reveal how good Jesus Christ is, well, that is what will lead them into a relationship with him. See, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, the conditions are set. Holy Spirit, he's there. And well, God looks and sees the formlessness, the emptiness, the darkness. And what does he do? Well, he doesn't just like shout and go, well, you are useless. You are ugly. You are a mess. You are broken. You are all of these things. No, he's very careful with his words. He says, I'm going to introduce light. Light. Let there be light. Paul goes on to write. In verse 15 of chapter 5, be very careful how you live. We're going to round things up in a few moments. But this is written to the church It's not written to people who, well, never think squat about church or people who are just getting on with their day today thinking, well, I don't even know if there's a God or or people who are just living lives that you and I might go, "Mm, no, us, (laughs) the fresh humanity, church. N.T. Wright wrote these words, we generally know Deep down, what is good? When we see someone living out a Christian life, we don't ask ourselves, well, if it's good or not. We just wish there were more people like that around. (laughs) We're called to stand out. And this is how. In chapter 5, verse 7, don't be partners with them with darkness. Don't go back to the things that you were delighted that when light showed up it took you away. No, no don't partner with them. And, and there's these different lists. And Ryan last week, well, he covered some of them. And, and there's these principles throughout it. Don't be partners with them. Now, we've all heard of the comparison trap. You now, where I compare my car to someone else or compare my house to someone else or compare my life to someone else. Ultimately, it spirals down because you lose contentment. But there's also the companion trap. And, that, and that's what I want to finish off with. See, a companion is what you partner with or who you partner with. Now, you've seen that couple who, well, they get married, they look nothing alike, they act nothing alike, but 40 years later, it's like they're the same person. No, they finish each other's sentences and all that stuff. You see people who, well, they get a pup and as that pup grows up, it turns out they start to look like their dog. Now, it's strange, it's weird, but these things happen. And there's just something about a companion. And as they hang around, we become like them. Well, Paul doesn't want us to form companionship with some things. Because he knows that ultimately it will shape us. And it won't reveal light. In fact, it will partner with darkness. I was thinking about companions and, well... As I was reading this, it turns out the companions are, well, they're more than friends. (laughs) They're practices, they're principles, they're habits. They can be friends. Whenever I was thinking of companions in my life, I, I was thinking of the companion that brings chaos, absolute chaos. And no, at 18, 19 years of age, I can remember sitting on buses waiting to go to nightclubs. I know it's weird, but you'd be sitting there and then a group of people would get on that bus. And it was like you knew by their presence something was going to shift, something was going to change. It's all going to go downhill from there because there's just some people, when they're in your company, chaos happens. Well, Paul, he would suggest that, well, partnering with sexual immorality would produce chaos darkness and think about it if there's no moral standard then well everything goes and Paul is saying and reminding us as people of light that there are actually lives that we're meant to live that are different <laughs> that I care about you more than you care about yourself. And actually, I want to help you understand that the greatest lives are those that are found in deep, trusting, meaningful relationships. It's not where a guy or a girl becomes like a product or a commodity. No, no, no. There is so much more. And I care about you enough to let you know. But more than that, you've got to let other people know by your light. Don't hang around with those things that bring chaos. Could you imagine if everybody just did what they wanted in that area? (sighs) Feed the flesh. Anything goes. Chaos. Another companion, when I was thinking, are those companions that will help you compromise? (laughs) No, and, well, I... Can think of people that when I was around them, well, I would have got drawn in, Do you know. They'd have been the guys maybe slagging off the boss in the in the tea room. And well, just by being in their company, all of a sudden I could find myself going, yeah, yeah, uh, whatever, and you find yourself getting into the chat. There's just some people well it bring out some of those things. And and it's interesting that Paul touches on things like gossip and slander and and there are just some things that certain people can bring a wee bit more. Oh yeah, let me get into that. And, and, and they start like running people down and you know, it tastes a bit juicy and we can jump in. There are some companionships that bring decay. Now remember, God doesn't like decay. Anything that takes away from life, well, he gets angry over and, and rightly so because we're the same, aren't we? Now someone, something was trying to take away from my life, I would be angry. He's the same. He loves us. And he loves us enough to ask us not to partner with, well, things that would bring compromise. But to actually partner with things that would bring encouragement. Build each other up. No, actually teach about God. Invite God into the situation that actually that brings life. He talks about Alcohol. Now, I wouldn't call it drink. It's been called lots of different things over the years, no. So a whole lot of it's not in the Bible, but what we do know is this, that if I take 10 shots, oh, anything, whatever your thing is, I'm probably not going to make the best decisions in my life. Now, how many shots is it? No, well, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, whatever. No, one glass of wine, two glasses of wine, three glasses of wine. Well, Paul is saying that there are certain things that we can form relationships with that ultimately won't help us make the best decisions. You know, it's like the government says you can't drive your car after so many drinks because they know you'll not make the best decisions driving your car. And well, it turns out that God knows there are certain things, well, like alcohol and there are other obvious things, that actually, well, shape us in a certain way that we won't get the most out of our choices. And he wants us to get the most out of life. In fact, he uses this word, debauchery. (laughs) And well, (laughs) debauchery, it's one of those words that if you're listening from home already, I would wanna turn off, because it it just sounds so weird. But it just means this, wasting your life. (laughs) And God doesn't want us to partner with anything that leads to a wasted life. He wants you and I to have the most fulfilled life. He loves us that much. He wants us to have deep and meaningful relationships. He wants us to to encourage and be encouraged. He he wants us to build up. He wants us and so on and so on. He, He wants life. In other words, the more we have of truth and life, the more we burn bright. Finally, the last companion, well, is the committed companion. And that's what we're encouraged to do. Find out what pleases God and make that the commitment. It comes through truth and the Word, and the entrance of God's Word brings light. And we've got to understand this book. This book is truth. And the more we understand this, the more we become enlightened. And the more we become enlightened, the more we burn bright. 20 years ago, I committed to a relationship with my wife. (laughs) I said, until death does us part, you know. It was a commitment. It was the best thing I ever did. At 19 years of age, I made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And that meant everything he instructs me to live, not someone else. About someone else, it's about me. And I made a commitment that God would be my number one companion. See, why did I mention my wife? Because, well, my wife is not my soulmate. God is. <laughs> Jesus is. And every day, I have to wrestle with this choice of putting God first. But it matters. Because if I don't commit to Jesus Christ as my companion, and don't get me wrong, it's not like it's a hard thing. He is good. He is loving. He is caring. He is just. He is merciful. He's all those things that you ever want in a companion. But it's in that that I reveal his light. So back to old Florence. Florence Nightingale she knew that darkness needs hope. So, what did she do? She lit her light and walked into the darkness. Let's light our lamps in these jars of clay, ordinary lives, but extraordinary right in Jesus name let's pray and so father I want to thank you I want to thank you that each one of us matters to your plan and that you ask us to well show up to commit to To be people that by our brightness, people see Jesus, and it really matters. It really matters. And so as we close off this collection of talks, as we're called to be a movement of light. May we light our lamps and walk into the darkness courageously and wisely. May we go in the power of the Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit so that people will know your goodness and will love you back. A movement of light in the city of Belfast and beyond. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and turn to him. In Jesus' name. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram, at YouTube Belfast.